Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Mobile Arcade Club. And boy, Stephen, do we have a big episode today because we're not only covering Sping by SMG Studio, an Australian-based studio with some people in LA as well, I think, but there's some very, very big Apple Arcade news and... Gee whiz, there's a lot to take in, isn't there? Yeah, gosh, it all just sort of popped up out of nowhere. I was scrolling through the Apple Arcade subreddit one morning and someone mentioned, hey, look, all these extra games have just appeared. And it turns out yeah, there's entirely new categories being added to the service. So along with the Apple Originals, which are what we've, I guess, been used to having on Apple Arcade up until now, as in games that are exclusive to the service for mobile and essentially I think mostly funded by Apple, uh, they've added new categories for timeless classics and app store greats. And these are games that are either, you know, reimaginings of older games or just just straight up uh, older games that have been on the app store for a while that are sort of premium games and have similar rules in that they can't have uh, sort of in, in-app transactions and things like that. But yeah, it just allows you allows us to have all of these a broader spectrum of games on the service without them necessarily being exclusive to it. And yeah, I think that's a really a really nice way of expanding the service to make it more worthwhile. Even if you know, people might want to play you know, the Zach Gage games or Monument Valley, there are a lot of these really big and sort of well regarded games on the App Store that. It feels like they are the kind of premium game that, if they were made now, would be on Apple Arcade. And surprise, here they are. Indeed. And I think it's worth dedicating a few minutes to sort of unpacking this because it's pretty significant what Apple has added to the arcade surface here. Uh, so we will get to Sping in a minute. But uh, so we're recording today here in Australia on the 5th of April and this big sort of news and big additions to the Apple Arcade service was a few days ago on the 2nd of April. So at the moment, with the new additions and everything that Apple has introduced, there are now over 180 games as part of the Apple Arcade service and more than 30 games were added on the 2nd of April alone, which... That's that's no chump change. That's that's a lot of games. I feel like that's the and biggest edition of in one day since the service launched. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, since it launched about a year and a half ago, I think. So mm. yeah, as as Stephen, as you mentioned, so there's Apple Originals, uh, Timeless Classics, and App Store Greats. So just to sort of elaborate what that means, uh, Apple Originals include some of the new games such as NBA 2K21 Arcade Edition, uh, also new games that have been added to the service like uh, Fantasian, which people are really excited about because that looks absolutely gorgeous, plus also Cut the Rope Remastered, which I find interesting, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Then there's the category of Timeless Classics, which are sort of classic mobile games focused around... You know, a lot of the, the sort of classic universally loved games mm. like uh, various Sudokus and Solitaires, variations on those, uh, plus other you know, well-known board games with a twist like Zach Gage's 
really bad chess, which, uh, unlike regular chess, changes the pieces that you're playing with each game. So instead of your usual row of pawns and your couple of rooks, bishops, knights, and then your queen and king, uh, you could be playing with five bishops or three rooks and, and that sort of thing. So I'm really bad at chess as it is. So perhaps this very aptly titled game might be very good for me uh, to just play something where I've just got to think on my feet and don't have to subscribe to one particular set of strategies. Hmm. But then in addition to Timeless Classics, there are App Store greats. Now, this includes games such as Monument Valley uh, and Mini Metro. Uh, so Mini Metro will sound familiar because Dinosaur Polo Club, the lovely New Zealand-based folks who are behind Apple Arcade original Mini Motorways, uh, so they made Mini Metro and that's been out for some years and that's a very, very popular little sort of uh, sort of subway transit construction planning game. Uh, also, the classic puzzle game Threes and Fruit Ninja Classic by, uh, what is it, Half Brick, uh, the Australians. Uh, so a lot of these games that have been on mobile before or have just been you know these mobile sensations for years and years are now available at no extra cost with no microtransactions as part of your Apple Arcade subscription, which I think, as we've been saying for quite some time, is pretty dang good value. And I think this, along with new uh, new originals and that sort of stuff, it looks like uh, Apple Arcade is really trying to muscle in on sort of what Google uh, with Android Google Play was trying to sort of go for, you know, and sort of combat Apple Arcade, uh, you know, back when all this was launching with their Google Play Plus, uh, sorry, Google Play Pass, which has a lot of sort of premium mobile games available at no extra cost as part of a subscription, which I think does include some of those games like Monument Valley and Mini Metro. Yes. So Apple have turned around and said, you know what, we're adding a bunch of those games at no extra cost to our servers as well. So what are you going to do about it? So goodness, um, competition is a lovely thing. Yeah, I think it's a really smart move just because it adds that sort of back catalogue. So we're not, it was really great having the original games made purely for arcade, but I often looked at Google Play Pass and thought it was a really sort of compelling deal because you get a lot of these games that were made well before game, uh, sorry, before uh, Apple Arcade was ever a thing. Stuff like Terraria, Stardew Valley, Sordigo, uh, Teslagrad, a couple of others like that, that would mm. be really yeah it would be really cool to have on an apple arcade style service but they wouldn't previously have been able to appear on it because they're on so many platforms already and they're just not part of the apple arcade experience and yeah this allows us to get that kind of game on on the service as part of the subscription rather than needing to pay for them separately it's a little bit more i guess it's the the netflix the game pass sort of way of going about things you'll have the you know some high class new releases that come in but it also has that back catalog that often keeps you there i find i'm i'm brought in by these cool new releases but when there's this huge back catalog there it almost you know just makes buying games seem primitive when i can get all of these really cool games on a subscription service and who knows what the actual financial um arrangement is but i like to think that this means that these older games that might i guess some of them have had to resort to more microtransaction-y things to remain viable. And this is another mm. way for, for games like Fruit Ninja, for example, to 
to become a viable thing without the microtransaction back end, which is really cool to me. And I'm very, I hope this isn't just a one-off thing. It'd be really cool to see, say, especially more of the half brick stuff. That was really formative in what I was playing on my phone way in the early days, stuff like Monster Run. I think it was Monster Run, Monster Bash. The one where there was a lot of stuff with a guy who shot zombies. It was really good fun. And I'd love to see... Yeah, a lot of that old uh, half brick catalog, I think, would be perfect for this kind of service. And yeah, fingers mm, crossed they expand Joy it. Ride. Yes. Oh gosh, of course, that's a huge one. Yeah, and I think I'll sort of go back to Cut the Rope Remastered, which is considered an Apple original because on first glimpse, it it doesn't look like a remaster to me. It looks like more of a reboot or a remake because for those who played the original Cut the Rope however many years ago that was now, it did feature these very cute and glossy 2D graphics. And now it's got sort of the the 3D art uh, treatment and it looks pretty slick. I haven't played it yet, but I find it interesting that, yeah, it's considered an original as as opposed to an App Store great, probably because it has received, you know, not not just compatibility with the service, but it does look like it's had quite the facelift as well. So... Yeah, yeah, I think really, with, really interesting. I think with the the greats, though, I've only looked at a couple of them, but it seems like they are, for most intents and purposes, the same as the one that you could still get on the App Store at the moment. Except, say, with Fruit Ninja, there's no in-app purchases that you would get in the standard version. I I can't remember if it's all just unlocked or it's all something that you uh, play through the game and gradually unlock mm. through in-game achievements and things like that. And yeah, it's it's really cool being able to see these kinds of games take advantage of this service. It was a a little bit of a a gap in the service that I felt previously, and yeah, it's it's really really exciting to see it expanded like this. Absolutely, and we will get to spin shortly, I promise. <laughs> but there is one last thing that I think is absolutely worth mentioning as part of the new sort of Apple Arcade approach or the the new additions to Apple Arcade, and that's uh, to do with game preservation, which is something that has traditionally been very, very difficult and very poorly handled at multiple levels, uh, especially on the mobile platform, because uh, developers are often needing to sort of update and refresh older games to remain compatible with subsequent uh, iOS updates or you know Android um, uh, software updates as well. And for a lot of smaller developers who are you know either just one or two people or very small teams, it's it's not viable. Mm. So a lot of a lot of great games are no longer accessible unless you have an older device that still works and is still operating on an older uh, older OS, which is such a shame and industry-wide preservation is something that's handled quite poorly because there's also uh, sort of to look at the console side of things, there's the PlayStation Vita and PlayStation 3 digital storefronts. Which oh, are going don't to get me shuttered. started on those. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to be shuttered in the next few months. So... Um, what Apple Arcade is doing with the Timeless Classics and App Store Greats, I think, is a positive step. Uh, it's not it's not a be all and end all solution because I think uh, subscriptions, because you know things as we see with Netflix and Xbox Game Pass, things can get added or removed as easily as things are added. So it's not a uh, certainly not a um, silver bullet to be able to um, you know, sort of fix the video game preservation problem, but it is a good way uh, for 
sort of, I assume, Apple to give some funding to devs to keep, you know, some of these older games that are still great today, uh, you know, some resources to be able to, you know, for people to continue enjoying them, you know, sort of cross device generations. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think, gosh, Apple are one of the worst culprits for just having updates to a system, whether it's macOS, iOS, that's just a, a, a line in the sand where if you haven't updated your app beyond a certain point, it just won't work on this new device. And I think mm-hmm. especially with with iOS devices, people are generally not keeping uh, you know, an iPhone 4 around so that they can play a game from that era. Like, And I guess that you would consider it more like a, a PC where you'd expect it to be able to play pretty well everything that was ever made for the platform. But yeah, like there was that big 32 to 64-bit jump, which left a huge amount of games across all Apple platforms just really orphaned, really, which is truly unfortunate. And it's it's nice to see this kind of thing a, a, as a means to... In a in a business viable way, bring these games back to back to life. Almost, it's it's something that might not be financially viable for developers otherwise. And this, yeah, it's really really promising that this might be expanded to other games that have potentially been lost to time. Absolutely. And now, uh, for those who listen to our previous episode, uh, fifteen minutes into this one, now <laughs> it's time for what you're expecting. It's time for some sping, or as we waxed lyrical at the end of last episode, uh, because it's got an interesting spelling. It's spelt S P exclamation mark N G. So we're wondering if it's sping or spung or something along those lines. Sp. We'll probably mm. just yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'll go for just for ease ease of uh, pronunciation. We'll stick with Sping, but there's a bit of fun to be had there. Um, now, this one made by SMG Studio, who we mentioned before, who uh, most of the team is based in Australia, but they've got a distributed sort of team who I think some are based in LA as well. But um, we did cover one of their previous Apple Arcade games, which was No Way Home, which... We did like parts of it, but I know, speaking from my experience, it didn't really hold my attention for super long. I'm very pleased to report that Sping has completely flipped the table on me here. I think Sping is fantastic. Yeah, I I feel very similar about that. And I'll, I'll get a, a quick sort of introduction as to what the game is so we can move on from there. Uh, so the game, they described it as a stress ball for your brain. And it is a game where you have these sort of 2D level scapes. You have a little ball, I guess, who moves. You can give it momentum. It'll move with gravity. And you guide it around the level until to get to an end point. And it's very... Very simple and straightforward to understand how this game plays. As a single input, you tap the screen and it will do one thing and that thing is consistent for the entire game or at least everything that I've played. So you'll have elements around the level. uh, So there'll be little anchor points, especially are the biggest thing you'll interact with. And when you tap the screen, your ball will sort of latch on to one of those anchor points and spin around it until you let go. And that's really the main inputs or sort of thing you need to understand to get this game going and get the ball just sort of moves 
in its own momentum where you latched onto things or you can potentially jump onto these sort of tracks in the level which will push the level or sorry push the ball along to to get to a new area uh, there'll be springs that you can bounce from that will give you some more momentum and get to other areas but yeah it, it's supremely easy to understand and very very straightforward with its input methods which means you're never fighting with how to play the game it's just understanding how all of these things work together and just getting the ball where it needs to go. It's really it's really quite therapeutic at times. Sometimes if you're going for, for the 100% completion, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later, things can get a little less uh, stressful. Or sorry, a little more stressful if you're really trying to go for a 100% completion. But if you just want this to be a toy to play with, it is exactly that and it can be really good in that way. Oh, but it's such a satisfying challenge as well. It it's, is. Uh, it's it's very good in terms of how sort of micro-sized each of these levels uh, are and, you know, sort of, yeah, you can go from point A to point B uh, in a level and be done with it. But for me, this type of game is at its best when you're trying to collect all the little crystals to get, you know, a 100% completion on a level, which, of course, often requires going sort of uh, not from point A uh, to point B, but from point A to point 1.5 to <laughs> D to then C, then to point B, uh, sort of, you know, going around sort of these, um, you know, little little anchor points and using momentum to get to sort of more difficult sections of the level that you could otherwise ignore because let's face it it's it's uh, it's more satisfying when you pull off some of those maneuvers because spin does a great job of using momentum and sort of the the physics based movement of this little ball through these these levels and it's just so satisfying to you know swing this uh, swing this ball around these anchor points in like a, a 360 or a, a 180 or wherever these points may be and then you know releasing it at just the right time and getting into this you know narrow little chasm to you know get the last few collectibles before finishing the level and because the levels are so you know nice and condensed and real pocket sized and very well suited to the mobile format if you do fail by you know running into some spikes or you happen to miss some crystals and you know inadvertently end the level before you are ready to do so then it's so quick it's so easy to jump back in and have another go or if you've finished a level it's so easy to then okay let's play another level yeah another level okay another level uh it's it's got that great sense of sort of Progression is not quite the word I'm thinking of, but it's it's got that you know great uh, sort of you know pick up and playability. Mm, I definitely felt that it had. It's it seems like a strange comparison, but I felt similar to how I did when playing Super Meat Boy, a game from quite a long while ago, which is immensely challenging, and that was the entire point of it. But it has the element where. You, if you fail, you can try immediately again and you can immediately mm. learn from your mistakes. And I think it, it's really smart in that it doesn't force you into any particular, you know, if you just want to go from point A to point B, you can, and that's totally fine. It's not going to shame you for doing that. It's not going to do anything really to you know, make you feel like you're not getting the right full experience. But mm. at the same time, it's really good at just subtly nudging you to think, wouldn't it be cool if you did get all the crystals? Like, it, it always puts it in a way that you 
can see how you could feasibly get the you know three star rating by getting all the crystals in a level. And you always, it's always obvious how you can go about doing it. It's just more about finessing and getting your, letting go of the anchor point at the right time to bounce on a specific area, to bounce on the spring. It's all, you can see exactly how it's expected to be done. And it's very forgiving. Even if you, you're spinning around an anchor point, you let go at the wrong time. Whoops. It's not it's not a you know a death sentence. You can just quickly latch back on most of the time and give it another mm. try after you spin around. Uh, you know, and even if not, if you do jog, go into a bunch of spikes, which happens a lot, it's instant to try again. And as you were saying before, because the levels are so micro-sized, you can just you know go from A to B in maybe you know twenty to thirty seconds at most. And yeah, it, it's really pick up and playable and very one more try, whether it's one more level or just completing a little bit more. And, and it rewards you with some pretty cool like skins for the levels were the, the most enticing thing for me. Uh, there are also some new game modes that it unlocks after a certain period as well. So I found that the the actual progression based on how many crystals or stars you've received was a, a pretty good incentive to keep playing on top of just how fun it is to to play with in a toy-like way. Mm, and those those unlocks are pretty genuinely satisfying to to unlock and are definitely worth your time uh, on on a number of levels because at at its sort of you know base experience spin has you know, a very very cool sort of i would say gently pulsating sort of uh, electro soundtrack to that sort of accompanies and punctuates the action quite uh, quite suitably and you know sort of because spin is very much a game about trying to achieve a flow state and trying to achieve a sense of rhythm while you're playing so that you totally lose track of time or it's you know some sort of a, a, a meditative experience uh, the the soundtrack is is very cool but then with different themes that you unlock the 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 music and sounds change as well but one of the the really really cool things that i appreciated was that so this this is a game you know largely made by australians and there's some really cool australian representation uh at at an indigenous level because one of the the first different themes that you unlock is a uh, is this beautifully uh, drawn sort of uh, Aboriginal artwork or Aboriginal uh, themed artwork uh, with uh, you know lots of the, uh, the the symbols that you see in in a lot of Australian uh, Indigenous art and it's something that I I've seen so little of at a sort of mainstream level in Australian games uh, and. Even, you know, there have been previous games and when I was working on an article uh, a little while ago and looking and trying to find some Indigenous representation in not only just Australian-made games, but games depicting Australia, some of the some of the um, depictions could be quite uh, quite crude. And I don't mean that in sort of a, uh, in a racist way, but just sort of some of... Um, some of uh, the games, like the, the game that sticks out to me, I think it was Sly Cooper 3 on the PlayStation 2 or something like that. There was uh, an entire section dedicated uh, to 
uh, a place set in Uendamu, uh, which is a remote sort of central Australian Northern Territory. Can't quite remember exactly where it falls, but it was you know sort of set. Um, took some liberties with how close Uendamu was to Uluru, which uh, in the game was referred to by the sort of white or sort of colonial name, uh, which sort of was more reflective of the time that was made. Mm. But then sort of its its depiction of the dreaming and the dream time was uh, sort of, you know, took a lot of liberties and was uh, very much, um, you know, sort of not necessarily uh, perhaps reflective of a lot of uh, Aboriginal beliefs because it had to sort of, you know, add it to the context of, oh, how do we add this to the context of, you know, combat or something in Sly and that sort of stuff. And looking looking back on it, you know, you certainly wouldn't, you know, do that today. It certainly is a bit of a product of its time, but that's just one of such few examples of uh, Australian uh, Aboriginal representation that I can think of at a mainstream level. So it's so cool to see you know, something, you know, you know, people's thoughts could perhaps uh, differ on, you know, how, how significant this representation is because it's not like it's representing, you know, Aboriginal characters as such, which I think we touched on a little bit when we were talking about... Uh, Beyond, Beyond the Steel the Sky. That's the one, yes. Um, but it is so, so cool to see... Um, Aboriginal artwork, you know, in in a game, and it credits the artists as well, like all the themes, you know, credit the artists and that sort of stuff, which is again extremely cool. Uh, full props to SMG Studio, and um, yeah, I, I just really, really like that. You know, I'm I'm not a First Nations person myself, but uh, um, you know, I'm fully aware that you know they're severely un- underrepresented in Australian media. So this is you know, a really nice touch. I think you touched on the biggest difference that I found with, you know, this sort of representation compared to, you know, for example, what you're talking about with Sly Cooper or I know I can think of heaps of different examples where people were, I'm sure that the developers in the past were well-intentioned and not wanting Mm. to give off any, you know, uh, disrespectful sort of uh, vibes in the games that they're making, but I think the difference here is that people were actually consulted where it's not, mm. you know, someone from another country going off their best fairly limited knowledge of what you know, Indigenous Australia is like. In in this case, we got, you know, a, an Indigenous Australian artist who is passionate about spreading, you know, the ideas of Aboriginal culture and exposing people to that culture outside of, you know, outside of their community, which I think is, yeah, having that kind of an actual, you know, someone who has been consulted and you know, brought on board to create this art makes all the difference in it being a fairly genuine representation rather than a caricature-ish uh, representation. And yeah, as I said, they credit them entirely. They give them a little bit of a spiel as to what their intentions were, including or with including this artwork. And I feel like that that makes all the difference with how. Yeah, how this representation, you can tell that it is coming from a place of, uh, yeah, coming from a genuine place and when they've consulted somebody of, of the community, you just know, yeah, that they have done all that they can to make sure that this is respectful and actually, you know, represents what it is intended to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And although this this is a tangent, um, not specifically related to Apple Arcade, but I feel like it's it's worth a mention considering uh, you know we're, we're talking about um, Aboriginal representation and Australian made games. Another game uh, that's worth keeping an eye on for for those tuning in uh, is a game called Enchanted, uh, and that's a game that's got very overcooked like vibes. And that's one that's coming to Steam, I think, sometime this year. But uh, I do know that they have a um, an Aboriginal artist working very closely with the, the team there uh, to sort of, you know, really nail that sort of representation and sort of raise the bar on, you know, depictions and being authentic in representing Australian and, you know, Australian First Nations culture. So, um yeah, it's it's certainly something that we're seeing more of and going to be seeing more of in the Australian uh, games industry, which is is great. So you know, and what what Spin's done in you know a, a game that you you probably wouldn't expect on the surface to sort of you know be making such a, a cool step like this, uh, you know, considering it's the style of game that it is, you know, being mm. sort of a little little sort of little puzzly physics actiony sort of game uh, to you know to be introducing you know some of that representation so yeah it's you know really really cool and uh, again sort of as uh, as we've mentioned you know it's it's part of the unlock system with spin um so uh, you know it's something that you know does does feel you know genuinely rewarding for having unlocked it and it, you know it feeds into sort of you know, wanting to to play more of the game because you think, oh, you know, okay, what what other you know cool artwork or what other cool things am I going to unlock by you know playing more of the game? You know, as if the the core gameplay loop and the gameplay elements you know aren't satisfying enough as is. <laughs> uh, so there's there's multiple layers here that uh, are working together very nicely in cohesion, which. Yeah, SMG have really, really hit upon something good here. I really quite like the way, speaking of those core sort of game mechanics, once you have, I believe it's 150 stars all up, you unlock a daily challenge mode. So it's probably good that it doesn't give you that from the get-go because you you know want to have some familiarity with how the game works if you want to have a chance of you know, getting on the leaderboard for this. But it gives everybody the same... A sort of it gives you a series of levels that everyone can play through and everyone gets that same sequence of levels each day and there's a global leaderboard that's reset on a daily basis so it's a really cool way to you know rather than just the the standard progression you can have that you know, specific daily challenge and see if you can find somewhere nice on the leaderboard it's there's just so many ways to engage with that core sort of fun toy mechanic that you know, either unlocking things, getting through new levels, or you know, finding your way on a high scoreboard. It's just, I'm really impressed with how many ways you can engage with this, and how much I enjoyed each of those ways to engage with it. Hmm. And I think um, I just had the random thought pop into my head. Now I think we're almost going to sort of have to think of you know different classifications for some of the Apple Arcade games that we play because there are a bunch of games that we've covered on the podcast that I think fit into certain categories and I think Sping alongside um 
uh, was it uh, Pathless, The Pathless? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sping and The Pathless for being you know, very satisfying movement and fluidity-based games. Uh, and I think it might have been in one of the very first episodes, there was a Devolver digital game that we played um bleak sword or something like that, oh, yes. that had a very that had a very interesting movement system um so yeah uh sping certainly scratches a very satisfying itch as far as just how satisfying the 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 movement is and that's that's something i really dig in a game if it's got a cool movement system then i'm all over it yeah no definitely it's um yeah i've got nothing more to add i i totally agree just the if the joy of moving around a game is enough to keep me on board, then everything else is just gravy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we both love gravy, so there's that. Um, <laughs> Slather it yeah, on. That's, that's, yeah, that's pretty well everything I've I've got to say about Sping. Uh, what say you, Stephen? Yeah, I think that's about all I've got to, to talk about. So I think we might, uh, might be a good idea to jump onto what we will be covering next time on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to sort of coincide with, you know, what Apple Arcade uh, is doing and how it's evolving as a service, we're also going to evolve uh, in sort of a a way of trying to cover more things because goodness me, at the moment there's so many games that we can't uh, can't keep track of because there's so many of them. So what uh, what we're going to do in the next episode, as a bit of a trial in the next fortnight, is we're going to nominate a game each um, and sort of share our experiences, uh, sort of you know sharing our experience of each respective game. So Stephen will play one game, I'll play another, then we'll come back together and share our experiences, ask questions, and then we may also discuss uh, another you know one or two or however many small handful of games as well that may not quite be beefy enough to fill out its own episode but we'll see we'll see if we can have a crack at covering some more games uh, in each episode but there's there's uh, you know every uh, every chance that uh, you know you know it doesn't uh, doesn't quite work out but we'll give it a go and mm. go from there so that being said Stephen what game are you bringing to Mobile Arcade Club next episode? Well, I, I don't know how many people who listen to the show also follow me on Twitter, but I have been rambling for months about Fantasian, which is a game that's just recently come to Apple Arcade. It's from uh, from Hironobu Sakaguchi, and they're a Mistwalker Corporation developer, and so that's the, the creator of Final Fantasy. Uh, and it's also uh, features a soundtrack by Nobuo Uematsu, who, and this is going to be their last soundtrack. And once again, they're famous for doing some of the incredible music in the Final Fantasy series. It's yeah, an RPG set in all these real world dioramas that they use to build the environments. It looks utterly gorgeous. It, from what little I, I have jumped into it a little bit early, but uh, it looks a little bit like a light Final Fantasy style kind of game, but definitely uh, built for touchscreens. I'm really, really keen to to get into this game it looks utterly gorgeous and it's the kind of meaty rpg that i have really wanting yeah been wanting to see on the service so very excited to give it a try very excited to hear about it as well and i'll see if i can play a little bit as well alongside my chosen game which because i'm a bit of a sports nut i'm very very keen to see what nba arcade edition is about so that's uh by 2k 2k games who are behind the nba 2k series which has been a very long-running basketball series that has been very successful 
but in recent years has been highly riddled with microtransactions and a lot of integration of gameplay elements that feed into you know, just encouraging you to spend a bit more real-world money as if you hadn't spent enough buying the game in itself. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very interested to see how the NBA Arcade Edition works as a standalone basketball experience with all the microtransaction stuff sort of ripped out. So I'll be very keen to see how that goes and see how it compares to, say, you know, the console editions or other platform editions because... There are other basketball and NBA games on mobile, and there have been previous NBA 2K games on mobile. So it'll be, yeah, interesting to compare how this goes with those ones. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's about all we have for this episode. So unless you had anything more to add, that might be might be the end of it. That's all from me. So thank you very much for joining us once again on the 31st episode of Mobile Arcade Club. Uh, we look forward to you know, sharing the you know, revamped format with you in a few weeks' time. And in the meantime, please do reach out on our Twitters and that sort of stuff in, in our show notes. Uh, leave a review if you've enjoyed uh, doing what we're doing. Uh, if you haven't enjoyed it, then yeah, don't bother leaving a review. We'd, we'd, <laughs> we'd rather not that you know have that but but anyways um thank you once again for joining us and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening catch you next time 